Blessings are on the head of the righteous. Proverbs 10.6 The desire of the righteous will be granted. Proverbs 10.24 The hope of the righteous will be gladness. Proverbs 10.28 In the house of the righteous there is much treasure. Proverbs 15.6 For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Psalm 5.12 And the, the title of my message today says, God blesses you, the righteous. Whenever you find a promise or blessing for the righteous in the Bible, grab hold of it by saying, Father, I receive this blessing in Jesus' name. Let me show you how to practice this. When you read in Proverbs 10.6 that blessings are on the head of the righteous, say, Thank you, Father, the promise is for me because I have been made righteous through faith in Jesus and His finished work. Amen. So every day, instead of fearing that lack will devour you, expect God's provision and blessings to hunt you down and surround you. Expect good things to happen to you. Say, Father, I thank you that your blessings crown my head. Your bountiful provisions are upon me and my household. Amen. Beloved, the more you begin to believe and speak words of abundance, provision, and increase, the more you will experience the full blessings of the righteous. Amen. Jesus Calling January 19. Seek my face and you will find more than you ever dreamed possible. Let me display worry at the center of your being. I am like a super saturated cloud showering peace into the pool of your mind. My nature is to bless. Your nature is to receive with thanksgiving. This is a true gift designed before the foundations of the world. Designed before the foundations of the world. Glorify me by receiving my blessings gratefully. I am the goal of your searching. All your searching. When you seek me, you find me and are satisfied. When lesser goals capture your attention, I fade into the background of your life. I am still there, watching and waiting. But you function as you were alone. Actually... My light shines on every situation you ever face. Live radiantly by expanding your focus to include me in all your moments. Let nothing dampen your search for me. One of, his, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. John chapter 6 verse 8 to 13 
The title of the message is Place It in His Hands. When Jesus saw the five loaves and the two fish, unlike his disciples, he didn't see the naturally impossible demand placed on him to feed 5,000 men, not including the women and children, with a boy's small lunch. He saw the supernatural supply in his Father's kingdom. The result? Not only were the people fed till they were stuffed, there were also 12 baskets full of leftovers. My friend, are you facing the situation of insufficiency today? Perhaps you can't find enough time to get your work done, as well as spend quality time with your family. Why not put your time in Jesus' hands and as with the five loaves and the two little fish, allow him to multiply it? Jesus will give you the wisdom on how best to use your time. Try it for yourself. Bring your little to Jesus. He will multiply whatever you place in his hands with plenty left over. Amen. Kenny Copeland, Faith to Faith, January 19. <clears throat> From messes to miracles. Proverbs 18.7 A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 18.7 we have what we say. As believers, we know that's a vital biblical truth. We can see it in Mark 11.23, Matthew 21.21, James 3.2, and many other verses. Yet, we often let it slip. We allow ourselves to begin talking like the world instead of talking the word. And eventually, we get what we've been asking for, a big mess. If that's happened to you, remember, whatever you have in your own. Life it is a product of what you've been saying. In order to change what you have, you must change what's coming out of your mouth. To head your life in a different direction from death to life, sickness to health, failure to success, you must take change of your words. That's a lot easier said than done, but that's the key. It must be said in order to be done. How do you start? First, realize that it can be done just in the natural. This is a spiritual law, so it must be handled with spiritual power. James 3, 7 and 8 says the tongue can be tamed with the same power with which man tames animals. Can't be tamed. It takes God's wisdom from above. God's word is his wisdom, Proverbs 2, 6. He also said his words are spirit and life. That means it takes God's words to tame our tongues. Second, repent before God for ever allowing your tongue to be used by anyone except the Holy Spirit. Then give Jesus your tongue. Ha, da, 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 da. Be determined to speak His words of love, faith, joy, peace, and grace. Words of faith stop the fiery darts of hell. The third thing to do is what Jesus said in Mark 4.24. Take heed or listen to what you hear. Listen to yourself. Think, think, think. Do I want what I just said to come to pass? Think about it. If the answer is no, then stop and correct yourself right there and then. Replace those negative words with praise. Ephesians 5.4 Praise and thanksgiving. If you've gotten sloppy about what you say, change your course today by changing your words. Ask God to help you set a watch over your mouth. Psalms 141.3 Put the power that is in your tongue to work for you instead of against you. Stop using it to make messes and start using it to make miracles. 
There is a miracle in your mouth. Amen. Rejoice, and this is from uh, Jesus Today. It's a rejoice in the hope of my glory. Even though many people use the word hope to denote wishful thinking, my glory-hope rings with a certainty of absolute truth. I have promised that all my children will share my glory, and I intend to keep that promise. Moreover, I have all the power I need, infinite power, to enable me to do so. The nature of hope is that it refers to something in the future, something not yet. So you need to wait patiently for me to fulfill my promises. If patience is not your strong point, remember that it is a fruit of the Spirit. You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you, waiting hopefully in my presence. Waiting is often a boring task unless you have something interesting to do or someone interesting to be with. When you wait in my presence, rejoice that you are in the company of the creator and sustainer of the universe. I am infinitely more brilliant and creative than you can imagine. Delight in this awesome privilege of being with me now and through eternity. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, Romans 5, 1-2. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8:18. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, against such things there is no law. Galatians 5:22 to 23. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37:4. The model prayer by Andrew Murray. After this after this manner therefore pray our Father which art in heaven Matthew 6:9. Every teacher knows the power of example. He not only tells the child what to do and how to do it, but shows him how it really can be done. In condensing condensation to our weaknesses, our heavenly teacher has given us the very words we are to take with us as we draw near to our Father. We have in them a form of prayer in which there breathes the freshness and fullness of the eternal life. So simple that the child can lips it. So divinely rich that it comprehends all that God can give. A form of prayer that becomes the model and inspiration for our other prayers. And yet always draws us back to itself as the deepest utterance of our souls before our God. Our Father which art in heaven. To appreciate this word. Of adoration, all right, I must remember that none of the saints in Scripture had ever ventured to address God as their Father. It shall be done to you according to your faith. Matthew 9:29, and the title says, By God's power. This is your time for increase. 
You may have been sick for a long time, but this is your time to get well. You may have been bound by addictions and bad habits, but this is your time to be set free. You may have been struggling financially, but this is the time for promotions. The key is to believe. God is saying to you something similar to what he, the angel told the Virgin Mary, that she would conceive without knowing a man. In other words, God was saying it would happen through supernatural means. What he wants to do in your life is not going to be by your might or power. It's going to be by his spirit. The power of the Most High God shall come upon you and cause it to happen. Amen. January 19. Then Jesus told his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. Luke 18.1 Observe the ant, the great oriental conqueror, Tamerlane told his friends, and relating a story from his early life, he said, I once was forced to take shelter from my enemies in a dilapidated building where I sat alone for many hours. Wishing to divert my mind from my hopeless situation, I fixed my eyes on an ant carrying a kernel of corn larger than itself up a high wall. I counted his attempts to accomplish this feast. The corn fell 69 times to the ground, but the insect persevered. The 70th time it reached the top. The ant's accomplishment gave me courage for the moment, and I never forgot the lesson from the king's business. Prayer that uses, that uses previously unanswered prayers as an excuse for laziness has already ceased to be a prayer of faith. To someone who prays in faith, unanswered prayers are simply the evidence that the answer is much closer. From beginning to end, our Lord's lessons and examples teaches us that prayer that is not steadfast and persistent, not revived and refreshed, and does not gather strength from previous prayer is not the prayer that will triumph, William Arthur. Arthur Rubenstein, the great pianist, once said, If I neglect practicing one day, I notice. Two days, my friends notice. Three days, the public notices. It is the old principle, practice makes perfect. We must continue believing, praying, and doing His will. In any other of the arts, when the artist ceases to practice, we know the results. If we would only use the same level of common sense in our faith that we use in our everyday life, we would be moving on toward perfection. Dr. Livingston's motto was, I resolved never to stop until I had come to the goal and achievement of my purpose. He was victorious through unwavering persistence and faith in God. January 19th, God Calling. Love anticipates. Lord, I will seek thee. No one ever sought me in vain. I wait, wait with a hungry longing to be called upon. And I, who have already seen your heart's needs before you cried upon me, before perhaps you were conscious of those needs yourself, I'm already preparing the answer. It's like a mother who's setting aside suitable gifts for her daughter's wedding. Before love even has come into, her into the daughter's life. The anticipatory love of God is a thing mortals seldom realize. Dwell on this thought. Dismiss from your minds the thought of a grudging God, who had to be petitioned with sighs and tears and much speaking before reluctantly 
He loosed the desired treasures. Man's thoughts of me need revolutionizing. Try and see a mother's preparing birthday or Christmas delights for her child. The while her mother heart sings, will she not love that? How she will love this and anticipates the rapture of her child, her own heart full of the tenderest joy. Where did the mother learn all this preparation? Joy. From me, a faint echo. This is my preparation. Joy. Try to see this as plans unfold of my preparing. It means much to me to be understood, and the understanding of me will bring great joy to you. Amen. Every Day with Jesus, <clears throat> TBN's Devotional, January 19. <clears throat> my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalms 32.1 To say the Lord is my shepherd must carry with it an understanding, not merely grateful praise for the infinite grace and tenderness of the great shepherd who leads us by still waters and in green pastures, but confession of our own helplessness and need of a shepherd's care, and a remembrance also of our lost, undone condition, until, although the mountains thunder riven and up from the rocky steep, there arose a glad cry to the gate of heaven. Rejoice, I have found my sheep. Lord Jesus, thou tender shepherd, lead us forth this day in glad service for thee. Amen. Amen. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians 6:16. 6, don't accept thoughts from the devil. This verse begins with the words above all. When you see the words above all, it means that what is referring to is the top priority. In other words, of all the pieces of the armor, the shield of faith is of paramount importance. The shield of faith can quench all the fiery darts that the wicked one throws at us. What are the fiery darts? They are thoughts. When the devil throws them at you, you can quench them or accept them. If you accept them, then the devil can make inroads into your life. Remember the illustration of Irene and her two friends who threw a birthday party? From that illustration, we learned that the devil throws thoughts into our minds to trick us. Poor Irene thought that her friends were conspiring against her, when in truth, they were conspiring to bless her. Unfortunately, Irene accepted those fiery darts from the devil. When we accept the thoughts that he throws at us, he's able to instill in us fear, self-pity, condemnation, feelings of rejection, feelings of betrayal, and so on. For example, a symptom may present itself in your body. The devil throws, then throws a thought at you. It's cancer. Remember that your grandfather died of that disease? If you accept the thought and start to entertain it, you will begin to fear. Don't accept them, my friend. Ephesians 6.16 says that the shield of faith will help you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So how should you respond? Well, your part is to simply keep the shield of faith up to quench the fiery darts coming at you from the north, the south, the east, and the west. You don't have to worry about where the thought darts are coming from. 
You don't have to worry about how many darts are being thrown at you. All you have to do is to keep your shield of faith up because it will quench all the darts, not just some. The main question you have to deal with is this, am I living in faith? Am I acting in faith? But it's not about having faith in your faith. It's about having faith in his faith. And how does how does that how does faith work? It works when we know how much God loves us. Galatians 5:6. The fiery darts thrown at us from the devil are designed to counter the pieces of our armor. The darts try to stop us from trusting in God's truth. They try to stop us from believing in our righteousness in Christ. They try to stop us from walking in peace. But as long as you know that you're living in faith, you don't have to worry where the fiery darts are coming from because they will be quenched. The Apostle Paul often used images of warfare in his writings. Here he is using imagery of futuristic battles as well. In many science fiction movies such as Star Wars, the large spaceships often have an invisible shield around them when shot by their opponents. The laser beams simply bounce off the invisible shield. The only way to shut off the shield is to sabotage the spaceship from within. We are little like those spaceships. Our invisible shield is our faith. And the devil tries to bring it down by attacking us from within with thoughts and accusations. And if we start to entertain and believe those thoughts, we are left without a protective shield and the fiery darts can hit us and cause damage. But if you're living by faith, God bless you, then you are protected from the devil's fiery darts. If your shield of faith is up, I don't care how many thousands of fiery darts are being launched at you from which direction because the shield will quench all the darts. Now, some Christians do the opposite. They bring out a shield of doubt and quench all the blessings of God. So make sure your shield is a shield of faith, not doubt. Rest in my faith. Not too long ago, I had a chronic skin condition. One day, I said to God, I believe that this pain will leave me now. Then the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, has it left? No, it hasn't, I replied. He asked, Do you believe that I have faith for your miracle? Of course I do, I said. He said, then rest in my faith. I rested in his faith, and that day the condition disappeared from my body. I didn't feel anything out of the ordinary. I didn't feel the brush of angels' wings on my face, but it left. You see, the faith is simple, so don't make it so complicated. Some of us are trying so hard to have faith or build faith that it becomes faith in our faith. Do I have enough faith? Have I confessed enough scriptures? Have I confessed in faith? Maybe I should do this. No, you should just rest in his faith. Just believe that he has the faith for your miracle. Just believe that he can and that he, he is willing to bring your miracle to pass because he loves you. When you see his grace towards you, when you keep your eyes on him and you just believe in him, that is faith without you being conscious of it. One Sunday during one of my sermons on healing, a lady in our church was busy sending SMS messages to her friend who was at home. The messages contained points and scriptures from the sermon. She also told her friend to just believe and confess, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. 
You see, her friend had cancer. Well, her friend read the text messages and confessed that by Jesus' stripes she was healed. When she went back to her doctor the same week, he could not find any trace of cancer. I believe that she was healed the same day she believed that by Jesus' stripes she was healed. Now I wish that every sick person could receive the manifestation of his healing within a day, but it doesn't always happen so quickly, so I can't tell you how long you should confess by Jesus' stripes I'm healed before the manifestation of your healing comes. But one thing is for sure, it is God's word, and God's word cannot return to him void. If you have to confess it for a month, then confess it for a month, knowing that Jesus has the faith for your miracle. Just do it until your healing manifests. Hebrews 10:35-36 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise and as you confess God's word simply rest in his faith not yours simply believe that he has the faith for your miracle Amen.